All right, after a bit of a bye, a bit of a hiatus, the holidays are somewhat past us, and the Flex Squad is back, baby. Ramu, coming to us all the way from Madison, Wisconsin. How are you and the niece doing? I, somehow, I went from Michigan to Madison, where it was, it dropped 15 degrees. It's two degrees up here right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was cold in New York. No, and w- once you get below freezing, I thought it was all the same. No, there's a difference. 25 and 2 are very different. There, There is a difference. I agree with that. Luckily, Hari, you don't have to experience any of that because it's, isn't it, what, 55 in Atlanta? It is, but it's gonna it's gonna dip. It's gonna be in the uh, it's gonna be in the teens this week. Whoa, pretty pretty cold. So I think I'm probably gonna just probably just stay inside <laughs> and finish wormwood. So that's, that's it. great. Well, today the uh, since weather is the hot topic, the temperature in New York today was 25, and I proceeded to walk. I want to say 10,200 steps. From when I woke up at 11 till 5 o'clock uh, where we were reporting this podcast. Because we needed a wine restock. And so I took my turtle backpack, walked all the way to the Trader Joe's wine store. And luckily, the New York Trader Joe's still has two ninety nine two buck chug. So, gotta love it. I, what's I'm up? Can is, we, that a, can we, is that a story why New York is good or why New York is horrible? Because it sounds no, like I, a story why New York is horrible. I think it's both. I think it's... Uh, so I can drive to Trader I, Joe's here. You want to lose a bunch of weight, move to New York um, because you take 10,200 steps. The flip side of that isn't that why New York is bad is because it's so expensive everywhere that you walk 10,200 steps to get $3 wine. So take that gotcha. for what can we Can we do a quick round robin and say what, uh, what everyone's favorite gift that they gave and re- received this year was? Oh, yes. That's a good one. Why don't you, uh, why don't you start us off? Um, I got some new pajamas from uh, my sister-in-law and my brother. Those are pretty, pretty dope. Um, I got two new board games. And then I gave Charlotte a customized book. So you can go online and you can type in like the person's name, like the, the kid's name. And then the book will basically create a story around that name. So this is like a girl who lost her name and then she finds each letter of her name. And at the end, the name spells Charlotte. So that was a cool one I gave. Interesting. Uh. This, is, you are in full uncle mode. That's for damn sure. Trying, man. Trying. Very uncle gifts. Um, my favorite gift that I received was the predicament I've run into in this sports company is my wardrobe is by no means fit for what the rest of my coworkers wear. I used to wear a bunch of fucking dress clothes and dress shoes and dress button ups. Now everyone wears sneakers and fleeces and all that good stuff. So I got a dope pair of Cole Haan sneaks, little casual. Whoa a little nice let's go yes and then i gave which i think giselle is still figuring this out um for those of you that don't know is my wonderful girlfriend i gave her a necklace that says i love you in morse code so it has like different colored beads for the the dots and then different colored beads for the spaces um so it's like dot 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 space 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 space. so so she was like how do you read and i was like it's in morse code she's like how do you read morse code i was like i don't know i gave you the placard to translate it (laughs) learn it Next That's year's it. Christmas gift is a Morse code book. <laughs> exactly. All right. What about what about you? How were your holidays? Uh, be, excellent. Best gift I got uh, for my wife. I got she got me basketball and other things. Shout out to homie Shea Serrano. Oh, uh, I got a new book, so I'm very excited. 
uh, and a couple cigars. And I was like, this is exactly what I want now. You Now, when you get married, you start to hone in on gift giving and you get exactly what you need, which is this amazing. Uh, and then the best gift I gave was I gave Amy a gift that will help me. So I got us a new uh, down comforter for our bed. So it's been fantastic. I haven't even noticed what temperature it is outside because I've been under the wow. comforter. That's, man, we go uncle, obviously someone that is <laughs> leading up to engagement. Uh, we might have a Morse code, uh, save the date, and then we have fully married <laughs> covering all the spectrums of millennial men. If it makes you feel any better, Ramu, I got my new nephew, I got him a new Georgia Tech bear, like a little stuffed animal, Georgia Tech bear, so we can start setting uh, up yeah. for a, life, a lifetime of disappointment. He's a Houston Astros the fan, one so he got... He, yeah, he got very lucky, and now I just need to bury him after he has. Yeah, yeah. Once you have too much gear, then you start to convert. That that makes sense. That's yeah. good. Next up is the blanket, then the wall hanging. That's it. You just go in the mirror and just paint his entire room Georgia Tech colors. Yup, yup. Welcome. Merry Christmas. All right. Enough about Christmas, though it was a wonderful holiday season. On to football bets. Um, again, we're missing our friend Mark. I think, Hari, you you said it well, when you're planning your wedding, everything else goes out the, the window. And um, it appears- we're never going to see Mark again. RIP the homie Mark. I'm the Uh So RIP to homie Mark in his 38 and 34 season record. Maybe he'll make an appearance for when the Eagles make a playoff experience, appearance, excuse me, but that's not looking too bright. Anyways, recapping last week, Kari, you went one, two and one with your push in the Eagles game, which was a crazy push, uh, which we won't get into. Yeah. Also, a potential crazy cover. Uh, Ramu, same record, one, two, and one. And myself, a nice, cool, calm three and one because I didn't bet on the Cowboys like you idiots. All on two, our overall, we have Hari, still a very impressive 33 and 19. Uh, Mark at 38 and 34. Ramu is still a, a game below 500 at 35 and 36. And then me at, at two games above 500 at 37 and 35. So this week, we have not just lowly NFL games. We also have very exciting college football. So let's get started with that. And our first line, UCF, the undefeated University of, University of Central Florida, who we were all thankful for that the Yellow Jackets didn't have to play because we would have gotten shellacked, versus the Auburn Tigers, minus nine and a, minus nine and a half, over under 67. Ramu, I'm going to start with you because I don't. I'm just curious to see if you have anything to say about this game because I can't imagine you've watched a single UCF football game, and luckily you have seen some Auburn Tiger football. So tell me, what are your thoughts on this game? Well, as you predicted, I have zero thoughts. So I actually outsourced my thoughts to Allie McCall, who texted me back, I'm done with college football, such a disappointment. And that was it. The sad face, a sad emoji face. <laughs> Auburn, ready for this bowl game. So give me UCF. That sums up Auburn's fan base right there. I'm done. I couldn't care less. It's an insult that we're playing UCF. And so Ramu is taking the University of Central Florida, plain and simple. I love that. I love that a lot. Um, So I did a tad bit of homework in that I actually watched the UCF uh, championship game. or It wasn't the championship game. It was a rivalry game against USF, but their winner um, was going to win the conference. And... I actually am somewhat impressed by this team. They can air it out. Their quarterback, uh, I think it's Mike Milton, has over 3,700 yards passing, a 35 to 9 touchdown interception ratio split, which over 12 games is very, very impressive. 
So I think this team can score points. The fear, which I think is like any all these New Year's Eve games, uh, whenever we have the non-Power 5 team playing up against a, a good Power 5 team, is they have they seen the speed of a team like Auburn um, all season, which kind of the answer is no. They maybe would have gotten a glimpse of it uh, when they had played Georgia Tech. LOL, just joking. So I'm intrigued by this game, but what I am not intrigued by is the 67 points. Um, or excuse me, what I am more intrigued by is the 67 points because I think this game goes one of two ways. I think UCF just pours it on uh, to this low, sad Auburn fan base and blows them out. Or Auburn says, hello, we are fast, we are good, and we're going to make you try and beat us in a low-scoring 21-14 to 14 game, which I don't think UCF can do. So the 67 feels a little high, and I am actually going to take the under on this game. I think the only way it goes over is if it if it goes to overtime, which I don't foresee happening. So give me the under on 67. Hari, what's your uh, what's your take on this game? So I, I took it from like sort of a purely gambling standpoint. Um, so an interesting fact is Power Five teams, especially in these New Year's Eve six or New Year's Six bowls. Um, are under uh, under 500 against the spread when they play these group of five teams. And the problem is exactly what Ramu said and what you said is that all of us watch Auburn, probably watch three or four Auburn games this season and watch maybe one, maybe zero uh, UCF games. Um, but that being said, it, it heavily sort of lends itself to UCF. I also um, would like to say that UCF has been talking mad shit this week all over Atlanta. Uh, they put yes. up a billboard. The UCF alumni group has put up a billboard that says "Eat More Tiger" in the city, uh, which is very funny to me. Um, they have gone out. Their their uh, starting running back came out and said that Auburn has never seen speed like us, which is a crazy thing to say because they played <laughs> Georgia at Alabama. Like, what are you talking about, bro? Have you ever been here before? And then Scott Scott Ross this week, in uh, in an attempt to make it seem like he doesn't have two jobs, said. Uh, quote, we are way ahead of Auburn right now in terms of preparation. Um, I don't know how much of this is true, um, but I, I'm glad to hear that Ramu said that Ali said that, like, I don't, I've never, I could care less about this game. Because I was going to say that this is all bulletin board material, but if Auburn fan base is like, whatever, I don't care, um, then yeah, give me UCF. I, I can't see why they wouldn't uh, at least, you know, partially, you know, I think it's going to be a lot closer than nine points. So uh, yeah, give me UCF. Yeah, essentially saying not a double-digit game. Maybe Auburn, like, saves some pride at the end and says, hello, we're going to win, um, but we're not going to win beautifully. So, fair enough. That is an interesting take for the three-loss and maybe potentially four-loss Auburn team. On to what I think is the better of the two college football playoff matchups, though people like the three-peat storyline. So, we're going to start with Georgia versus Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield's Oklahoma Sooners, plus one and a half, over under 60. I'll start us off in that I still remain skeptical of this Georgia team in the sense that I think, though their running game is good, I still am hesitant to trust the freshman quarterback. I'm more hesitant to trust a freshman quarterback in a huge game like this And for me, that's exactly what it boils down to. You have a Heisman Trophy winner against a freshman QB, and Baker Mayfield is arguably the hottest player in the country right now. He's playing amazing. This Oklahoma defense does have me a little worried, but at the end of the day, I think Oklahoma is a better team. I 
am shocked that they are uh, underdogs in this game. And so I'm going to take the points and give me the Oklahoma Sooners. Boom, Asuna. Hari, what's your take on this game? I don't think you could be more wrong. Um, I think that... So I think the story about Georgia has always been, especially for casual observers, that it's Georgia's running game that has made the real difference this season for Georgia. Uh, when actually, I think the big story has been linebacker play at Georgia, uh, namely Roquan Smith, who has been phenomenal and was super snubbed out of a Heisman, uh, a Heisman invite this year. Uh, he has, if you look at the last linebacker who went to the Heisman, it's Manti Teo. They have the same number of tackles. He has almost twice as many tackles for loss at 10 and a half for loss. He's the MVP of the SEC championship game with 13 tackles in that game. Uh, he is an absolute terror. Uh, and I think he's going to be the game changer in this game. Uh, I think Georgia wins this easily. Uh, I think the rumor has that about 20 to 30,000 Georgia fans are flying out to Pasadena this weekend to go to the game. Uh, it is everywhere here in Atlanta. Uh, it's a huge game for Georgia. And it's going to send those ticket prices for the, or for the national championship game through the roof. So if you're a very smart speculator, bet on Georgia. If you're a super smart one, bet on Georgia and buy tickets for the national championship game because you'll be able to flip them for three or four X the value uh, come you know, January 2nd. Well, why don't you go the other route? Why, didn't, why wouldn't you bet on Georgia or you know, like buy tickets and then hedge it with you know, betting on Oklahoma? Because then I, it's, I'm not, I'm not out here placing thousand dollar bets on Georgia. I'm just, you know, I, this is, I'm a casual better. I wouldn't be able to hedge correctly. I'd have to put too much money on Georgia. It wouldn't make any sense. So instead, just put all your money in on Georgia right now. Just trust me. It's like a Bitcoin. It's like one Bitcoin. It's just going to go through the roof and will never lose value again. <laughs> I like uh, Ramu. Take us home, Georgia OU. I think the storyline for me is, is if this becomes a shootout, this goes the Sooners' way, and there isn't really a tail of the tape to me in their record so far and how they play this season where they're not able to score 30-plus points. And if that's the case again, and their secondary has shown, Georgia's secondary has shown that there are pockets. That's probably their, their – if there is a weak point, it may be that. Um, we saw that against Missouri quarterback Drew Locke, which is a little bit similar to the, that Mayfield-style quarterback. So based on that, I, I think that Mayfield will be able to find his groove come second quarter, start to pick apart the defense a little bit, um, especially in the secondary, start to find some holes. This will become a shootout game. George is not going to be able to keep up. So look this to be above probably a 50, 55-point game and give it the edge to Oklahoma here. Oklahoma. You know, actually, Ramu, I, I was thinking about that. You, I think you're right. I think the 60 may be also a little low. I was you know, just looking at George's last five. They put up 28, 38, 42, 40, and 24 with an Oklahoma's last five with 41, 59, 41, 38, 62. Um, obviously, the 62 is against Oklahoma State. But that's all Big 12 defenses, right? I mean, Big 12 defenses are so, generally trash. Yes, except for the TCU game, right? Which, like, the big story around them was when you when you match up the metrics uh, for TCU's defense, they kind of rank amongst the top defenses in the nation, and they still put up 38 points against them. So, like, I, I agree. Like, West Virginia in the 59, Oklahoma State in the 62, eh, maybe that's a little skewed. But the TCU defense I do think was legit this year, um, as they proved so in their run through the Big 12. But I I don't know. I think the 60 is kind of the other place I would lean if, if you don't want to bet on the spread here. And then look to get the over, unless Georgia maybe. I mean, maybe like Sony Michelle and blank on Nick Chubb really do run the ball forty-five times for you know two hundred and fifty yards and milk this clock 
till it's uh, non-existent. Yeah, if that happens, Georgia's already up twenty-one nothing, and for some reason, Baker Mayfield is out of the game. That's the only reason. Yeah, that that's true. Do you? All right, I'm surprised you mentioned the fans flying out to Pasadena because in my head, I was like, well, do they do they spend the money and go out there, or do you sort of hedge and say, eh, I'm not going to go all the way out there. I'm just going to buy national championship tickets because it's in my backyard. So it's it's surprising. If you talk to Georgia fans here, a lot of them are saying, like, honestly, the only tickets I can get to are, um, like, Rose Bowl tickets. Like, they're the only, like, opportunity I have to go see them because there's no chance I'm going to be able to get in the door, especially if, if obviously, it's going to be Clemson or Bama. With uh, two other fan bases that are right up the road, there's no chance of me getting tickets there. I'm, I'm seeing reports now, like, just on, like, local, like, lists I'm on for school where people have bought four tickets and can't get out to Pasadena this weekend because ticket uh, air flight or airplane tickets are through the roof. It's like seven hundred bucks to fly from here to Los Angeles right now wow. because every Georgia fan is on an airplane headed to Pasadena right now. Interesting. I mean, like LA is a great place to spend New Year's, um, and it's sunny and warm and you know lively. So I guess that makes sense. But that's interesting. I, I wasn't expecting that. I actually have read a lot of Oklahoma fans are going out to um, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. For New Year's, so maybe that's just what it is. It's just traveling fan bases have, have bought into this and are gonna gonna hit the Rose Bowl hard. It's great. I mean, if as a Georgia Tech fan, I would love for us to play on the Rose Bowl, and I would fly out there for any reason. I think it's just the best place to watch football. But like, I'm not gonna fly to Tempe, Arizona, or whatever to fucking watch the Tostitos Bowl or whatever. Yeah, you know I mean, what? A, you know what? An interesting storyline I think is is the fan that gets on the flight from Atlanta out there that isn't a Georgia fan or like isn't a Clemson fan. You know what I mean? They get stuck on the flight and he's surrounded by all these individuals uh, and <laughs> taking like, shots. Like you're just flying in for work that week or whatever. Yeah, some <laughs> yeah Georgia, right. Some Georgia Tech grads like, oh, I got to go back to SpaceX for work. And he's just like surrounded by Georgia fans on his flight out to LA. This is a documentary. Yeah, this is a documentary I want to produce. This is called 30 for 29. It's like the, the, the comedic understories of sports. <laughs> <laughs> and just one horrible plane ride to Los Angeles from Atlanta. Or just like how sports fans have like ruined all these people's lives. Like, like yeah, another, that's true. Another one would be all the apartments around Jerry World in Arlington, Texas, that all of a sudden can't get in and out of their apartments on Sundays because <laughs> that are surrounding them. <laughs> like all those stories. I agree. That's a great. That's a great documentary idea, Rumi. We should pitch that. Yeah, to I'll, I'll talk to Kenny Mann. We'll produce it with him. <laughs> All right. On to what is the, I guess, premier matchup in the All-State Sugar Bowl down in lovely New Orleans, Louisiana. Alabama versus Clemson, part three, but this time in a semifinal. Alabama favored by three points over under 47. It was an, also an interesting one. So I'll kick this one off. I feel like the edge always goes to the team that lost the last one. I don't even know how else to say it in the sense of it's just tough to create that chip on your shoulder when you won the last matchup. And I think you're playing with a little bit of confidence. The main thing I think Clemson has going in its favor is the fact that a lot of these guys um, that are in significant roles for this team, specifically on offense, weren't there last year. So obviously you got Kelly Bryant. Um, you've got you know a couple of new wide receivers. Um, outside of the guy that that did catch the winning the winning ball, I'm blanking on his name, Hunter Renfro, I think. So I look to say that this game I think is going to be close, and maybe Dabo has Nick Saban's number, and and more specifically has his defense's number, in that he spreads them out. Um, he th- he takes a couple shots downfield, 
and he allows his quarterback to kind of win the game for him. Clemson this year is actually 8-4-1 against the spread, um, and I think the fact that they're getting points here makes them a little bit even more intriguing. So line this one up for me to be a close game and give me the Clemson Tigers to ruin the hopes of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Ramu, where are you going with this game? I think I'll keep it safe here and just say that, you know, our tried and true recipe is, is if you give Saban time to prepare for a team, then that's going to be a recipe for disaster. And if we kind of equate this uh, Clemson offense, they're, they're without Watson, so they've had to go more spread. Um, fewer offensive snaps, but they run the ball way more. So you're, you're, asking, you're basically asking um, the quarterback to basically do more in a run offense and get the ball to the perimeter. Um, kind of like an Auburn offense. So I think we've, they, you know, Alabama's seen this, this style of play before. So maybe they, they have another look there and they're, they're kind of prepared. But I think mostly my, my rationale is, is don't bet against Saban. So um, I'm, taking, I'm taking Bama. Yeah, that's interesting. My, my thing that was like, I don't think Alabama has played anyone good this season. Like you see the, you know, obviously they played Auburn, who they lost to. Um, but outside of that, like who is their best win? And Hari, I think you brought this point up maybe like two or three, you know, weeks till the end of the season for Alabama. And that like their best win was what, LSU at home, I guess? Yeah, um, and LSU lost to Troy or whatever, right? Like, so how good is that win really? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and that's why like I'm a little... I don't know. I may be skeptical in that. I think we're we're giving Alabama the due um, just because of their name and their history. But like at the end of the day, on the field, they haven't really beat up on that many teams. So I don't know. This just just thought for two cents. Hari, where are you going with this game? No, I, I think you're 100 percent right. I mean, I think it's it's really interesting when you think about it. Right, Alabama shouldn't even really be here. I think this should be Ohio State's spot. Uh, I think they got a little bit screwed because Alabama has this history or whatever. I think Vegas is giving them a ton of points and would favor them. I think they're favored against almost anyone uh, in, in the college football playoff. They went head-to-head um, just because they're Alabama. And I think what Ramu is talking about makes sense if we're talking about the Alabama from two years ago or even last year's Alabama. The problem is this year's Alabama has been riddled with injuries. They haven't really been that good. They haven't really played that stellar football. And when push came to shove at that Auburn game, they got sort of whipped. Um, and so that's the thing that like, I don't really trust this, this Alabama team specifically. Um, I don't care if they had 10 weeks to prepare. I just don't think, or 12 weeks to prepare. I don't think that they are the same Alabama team that's come in and beaten a lot of people in the college football playoff. Um, I really think this Clemson team is quite good and I'm very excited for this Clemson Georgia matchup. Um, I think like, I think Clemson is going to, is going to run away with it actually. So if you could tease a couple points here, I think you, you'd be even, uh, could even uh, win a little bit more money. I think I did, I did Clemson straight up here. Yeah, I like it. Go Clemson. Their money line is plus 135. So yeah, if you really... Yeah, I think it's good value. I think it's really I, good value. I agree. I agree. So that takes us to uh, through the college games on to the lovely, the exciting, that keeps us up on Christmas Day NFL because we all love watching <laughs> football. We, we all definitely watch the NFL and not the NBA on Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I should look at the Nielsen numbers for those guys once they get back to work and see what the the comparison was. Um, like, well, let's let's do that quick prop bet. Do you think the Cavs Warriors game had more viewers than the worst of the two NFL games? I don't know which one would have been worse. I think it's the early one, probably. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like Steelers have like a big fan base, so I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I, I'll look at both. So essentially, did, did the NBA 
Cavs Warriors, or really any game for that matter, have more viewers than any NFL game that day? So I already I already looked up this answer, so I, I I'll recuse myself from this. So I'll let you, I'll let you, you guys. Oh talk well, about if you it. already know, I'll, so I'm gonna guess and say no, but I think it was close. Ramu? Uh, the NBA had more. Okay, Hari, tell us. Uh, what, so, what, so so NFL had more, but the the story is that NBA has continuously climbed on Christmas while like NFL is in decline. So now the story has become. Like, is the NBA going to overtake the NFL? Which, like, most people say, like, no, no chance. Like, even the best, if you look at the last year's finals for uh, Cavs Warriors, they did about an eight in Nielsen ratings, which mm-hmm. is essentially, like, one Sunday night game. Uh, and that was, like, the peak of that series. Uh, so still, like, NFL is king. Um, but uh, there was a huge drop-off, actually, if you look at the Nielsen ratings, between the first four games and the final one. Uh, the games in the middle of the day did about a 4-0, I think, in the middle of the day. And then at the end of the day, the Lakers-Wolves uh, game did a 1.1, which was like a huge drop-off. And I think a lot of people say, like, maybe people didn't know there were games afterwards. Well, I think what, what happened tired was... Tired of five basketball games. If you were watching the ESPN broadcast, they were like, catch us in our four games today on ESPN. And, like, that yeah. last one was on TNT, right? And so even me, I was like, wait, aren't there five games today? And But I was like, in my head, I just kept listening to the ESPN thing. But I was like, no, I'm pretty sure. And then I looked. And sure enough, the last one was on TNT. So I think TNT like just had a hard time getting FaceTime in front of the rest of the fans um, that were maybe watching games that day to say, hello, we also have a game tonight. You know, it kicks tips off at 1030 Eastern, which is a little ridiculous. But yeah. nonetheless, you know, was- I think so. Let me, let me put a little bit of a marking hat on and say, I don't know. I wonder more about the number of cumulative eyeballs that are being drawn to the sport across all programming, right? Because, because there's an 82-game season of the NBA plus playoff, you have so many more games that people can watch versus, you know, the 14, 16 weeks of NFL and then every game on Sunday, right? So you're having to pick and choose. Um, that's so that's true. one thing. The, the second thing yeah. is I wonder, why isn't the NBA at this point, I think either next year or the year after, they need to jump and make a move to do games on during Thanksgiving and compete head-to-head with the, with the NFL. Um, directly and get eyeballs away from those NFL primetime spots into the NBA spot. Yeah. So so it's I, interesting because I, so I, I have a, I have a little pushback against that, which is I think for the casual observer, if you aren't a big NBA fan, uh, like even myself really before I started this podcast, we wouldn't say I was the number one NBA fan of all time. I did watch it, but whatever. But really the NBA season for most casual fans starts on Christmas. This is their like kickoff to the season, right? Even though there's sort of this, there's all this stuff has happened. You sort of wait until Christmas and you say like, all right, now I'm interested in the NBA because like all my other sports are gone. I think they do an awesome job of it because you can be a casual observer and watch like essentially a shortened season where you're like, all right, now I care about the Hawks and what they're doing or whatever. And don't have to worry about sort of the, the, all the, the luck that you have to go through to get there. Yeah, you're saying, like, essentially, I get to tune into 50 games that all feel relevant instead of, like, 82 games that really the first 30 kind of are meh because people are coming back from injury and all those things. Yeah, which is what baseball should do, really. This stupid idea that we get serious about opening day, like, fuck that noise. Just do a big July 4th kickoff and say, like, if you give a shit about baseball before then, watch. I don't care. July 4th is, like, the day baseball is going to be serious or whatever. Yeah, that's fair. I like that. All right. Well, Baseball is back. It's back. (laughs) This is a baseball podcast. Oh, my God. I can't believe we dropped baseball at December 27th podcast. <laughs> uh, if, you guys have, if you guys have any questions about Shohei Otani, I got another set of podcasts. <laughs> <about you. laughs> 
All right, let's start with the sleepy Bengals at Ravens, minus three and a half, over under 39 and a half. First of all, I'd like to pour one out for good old Marvin Lewis. He found a way to give hope to my Dallas Cowboys, only for us to shit it uh, (laughs) which is terrible. All right, Cowboys. Beat the Detroit Lions, which I guess was a big help to your Falcons, or your Falcons, uh, yeah, Harry Vermeil. So we have the Ravens favored by nine and a half, over under 39 and a half. And for me, that just feels too heavy. I mean, this is a Ravens team that couldn't beat the Colts with Jacoby Brissett by 22 points, who had nothing to play for. So what makes me think in a quote-unquote rivalry game within that, you know, the division that likes to take people's heads off and ends people's career three years early, that we think the Ravens can win by double digits? I don't think they have the offensive firepower to do so. I, you know, maybe they get a, a defensive touchdown, which helps them, but... I think this team, uh, this Bengals team, holds close. Obviously, they're not playing for a whole lot, but unless they decide to go the you know the NBA route and just like completely tank a game, which we haven't seen, I don't know since like maybe the Cleveland Browns, maybe are the only ones that are doing it. But even they feel like they're trying to win. So I look to the Bengals. I think they try and keep it close. Um, you know, get to seven and nine for the season and cover this nine and a half point spread. Rumi, what you got in this game? I've gone back and forth on on this because both these teams are, are pretty meh, right? Well, and so Baltimore has to win and they secure their playoff spot, and then if they lose, they can still yeah. get them, but they need some help. So that that alone makes me feel like they're going to fight for that spot, and that's why that nine has been pushed up. Otherwise, the team isn't very good, and I don't I don't care how they performed. You know, they've had some wins against the Browns and the Colts. That doesn't mean any momentum building. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, how they're going to get ready for this game with, with two kind of soft cream puff games, um, leading into it. So they're not really thrilling on paper or to watch in real time, but I think the the fact that they have something to play for, um, I, I still don't understand the NFL where teams like the Bengals are going to try to put up a good matchup against, uh, in the NFC, just so they have a good, you know, I don't know. So they look good. So the, yeah, I, it's because of these individual contracts, right? Like these guys that are like, oh, if you get to a thousand yards or twenty five, you know, twenty five tackles a season. I don't know. I think that's what it is. But it's also just yeah. like NFL doesn't get tanking. I don't know. You know, I don't know why. It just is what it is. I would. Uh, I would be. I would be wary of this game. I'm going to go with the Ravens. Interesting. Hari, any uh, any takes on this game? I mean, I just think they're not going to tank because they love Marvin Lewis. I mean, this is his like send off game, right? So I think they'll, I mean, I think they'll play hard for him. I mean, he's like a player's coach guy or whatever. I think they'll play hard for him. Um, a stat I read that I really like is the Ravens are two and five against the spread uh, when after consecutive wins, which I thought was a weird stat, uh, which means that like Harbaugh doesn't really have the momentum to play three wins in a row. Um, so this is like kind of a huge spread. Um, I really like the Bengals to break this spread. Um, more importantly, I think what will happen in this game is probably the Ravens get up and then just probably just sit on the ball for the rest of the game, which I think yeah. makes it hard for them to go out and win by double digits. So, uh, yeah, give me uh, the Bengals here. Boom. All right. I like it. Um, on to the Panther, or excuse me, actually, let's do Cardinals at Seahawks, minus nine, over, under, I can't believe this, but 38 and a half, another very low, low amount. Um, so yeah, Cardinals at Seahawks, minus nine, over under 38 and a half. Our Falcons fans, please chime in. I'll start with you, Ramu. What, are the Seahawks going to make the playoffs? <laughs> the Seahawks will not make the playoffs. <laughs> oh, 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 we're going to win. Because <laughs> we're going to do it. 
<laughs> right? It's, it's, it's Seattle wins, but if Atlanta wins, Atlanta still makes it, right? Yeah. So uh, let me ask one thing, though. Do we like the fact that they have these games playing, like, essentially at the same time? Or would you rather have the Falcons be the early game and then these guys be the later game or vice versa? No, from I think team, you want from it at the TV same time. standpoint. I think it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't want my team to dog it because they like know what's right. going to happen. They think they know what's going to happen. Okay, fair enough. All right, sounds good. Remember, back to your take on this game. They're going to make the that playoffs. Also, that, that also would make that also would mess up Vegas a lot, probably too. Once one team won. Um, yeah, Seattle. Seattle's going to win this game. Um, they're going to cover uh, the eight. I don't think Arizona has a lot to, to fight for. They're not very good. So give me Seattle here, but that uh, that cheeses into my next pick. Wow, man. I'm throwing shade at this Cardinals team. They just came off a 23 nothing win over the Giants, which I just read and said, yeah, okay, it's the Giants. So, <laughs> um, I actually don't, having watched that Seattle team very closely um, in last week's matchup against the Cowboys, I don't think very highly of that team. I think the team is garbage. Their secondary is in shambles, but somehow Dak Prescott found a way to hand them a couple of turnovers, a defensive pick six, and shit away our game, not to mention a couple of missed field goals. I think division games are always tough, and I think this Cardinals team, you know, there was rumors that Bruce Arians got fired after last week's game, but they, they turned out to be false. That's not to say he isn't on the hot seat a little bit. But look for, uh, look, you know, look for this Cardinals team to maybe ruin the Seahawks season. I think that'd be funny. I think, you know, the Seahawks don't seem to be playing cohesively. Um, I thought that game last week was a little disjointed, not to mention Earl Thomas came out after the game and said, hello, Jason Garrett, can you, can you please bring me to your please team? Please hire me. <laughs> yeah. Which I was like, no. He's like, no, I meant like, you know, when the time is ready. Are you saying the time is ready now because they won't give you an extension? Because that's a silly thing to say, Earl Thomas. <laughs> Um, that being said, I'd love him to be on the Cowboys. So give me the Cardinals and this, and this nine point spread. I might throw them and the Bengals in a little, little teaser and get, you know, them at 16 points, which I don't think either of those teams blow them, blow those teams out. Hari, any takes on this game? Yeah, listen, I'm glad you brought up that, uh, the game that, uh, Arizona had last week. So I, I, if you remember last week, I said that that supercomputer said in like all of its simulations, that the Giants were going to cover that four points or whatever they were. Yeah, so uh, and they got fucking here. and they got fucking blown out. And I was like, "What the fuck, supercomputer? Why would you do this to me? Why would you betray me with your <laughs> with your bits and bites?" And uh, so I looked back at the stats, and I think it's amazing. Uh, actually, the Giants outgained the Cardinals in this game. Uh, they actually outgained them by like ten or twelve yards, two twelve to two ten. Like it was a pretty ugly game. But the biggest deal is that um, Arizona got three turnovers in that game and scored a bunch of like seventeen points off those three turnovers, which was really the big difference in the game. Um, I, as much as I don't, I agree with Samin in that I watched this Seahawks team and they're no good. Um, but I don't think this, that Stanton is very good either. And I think he's going to be the big issue and might turn over the ball a bunch and give the Seahawks points the same way the Cowboys turn the ball over and gave the Seahawks yeah, points. Uh, yeah. So Stanton against the Seahawks all time is, uh, thrown for one touchdown and three interceptions all time and has a 57.3 passer rating. Um, and on top of that, Arizona has the number 30 rushing offense uh, in the NFL. It's just like, it's not a good matchup. It's just like it, all the, all the things that the Cowboys had that we said last week are like, Oh, well, they're going to have Zeke back and they're going to, you know, they're going to be able to do some play action. Uh, they don't have any of that. And so it's, it like plays directly in the Seahawks thing where they can rush for and like drop seven into coverage and just like chill. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't look like a very good matchup. So give me the Seahawks to cover here. Interesting. Yeah. 
Fair enough. I I think you were up a good point. Actually, I'm gonna switch mine from the 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 Cardinals to <laughs> taking the under. Taking the under. 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 Under is not bad either. On thirty eight points. Yeah, like because okay. like like, like you said, is Drew Stanton in a, in a game where everything went right for the Cardinals and they were at home, they put up twenty points. And so <laughs> what you know, like what does that look like here? And then in a game where everything went right for the Seahawks, um, in terms of getting de- you know defensive turnovers and their offense just kind of like shot the bed, which you know isn't shocking to anyone, they put up twenty one points. So you know, I think a low scoring, boring, sleepy four thirty game is what it is. On to the matchup of the week: the Panthers traveling to the Mercedes Benz Superdome. All you nervous Falcons fans, get ready. The Falcons are favored by three and a half over under 45.5. And first of all, I'd like to just say, Hari, I fucking told you so. There was no way that Falcons <laughs> were covering five and a half. I just got so excited thinking about the Falcons winning in New Orleans that I forgot that it's impossible. It yes. Be done. Um, <laughs> but as, as a note, as a note, uh, from a gambling perspective, they did almost cover if, uh, if, if we had just been able to drive down the field on that final drive, they would have definitely covered. So let's, yeah. you know, let's give credit where credit is due. I was very close. I wasn't yeah, exactly well, right, but it was very close. Yeah, what you messed up is the fact that you guys had first and goal from the one two times and came out with zero points. So yes, that is pretty much how the Falcon season has been. We were also first and goal against the uh, Patriots didn't score there. And then we were also first and goal in that uh, Dolphins game. We didn't score. Um, and I think we were first and goal in maybe the Vikings game and didn't score. So we do, we do it a lot. Interesting. So now you have first and please win this game. And your reward is instead of a touchdown, a playoff bid. So, Hari, I'll start you off by telling me why the Falcons are going to make the playoffs. So I'm glad you brought up my bet last week because I thought I like after the game, I was like, man, why did I say all that crazy stuff? And it's just because I'm one, a huge Falcons homer. And then it hurt my record this week because it was like the first week I went under 500 this last week. Yes. Um, so, so I was thinking, I was like, let's get back to, let's just look at data and let's make our call from this. Uh, so I looked and I was like, what, how do, how do we do against rushing quarterbacks? Um, and so I like dug into that and like, we, like we shut down Dak, we shut down Aaron Rodgers, So we did a really good job there, but against like Jameis and Tyrod Taylor, we like really struggled. And really the, the fact of the matter is, is like, are the Falcons getting sacks? Sacks are like the big deal for the Falcons. If we sack yeah, a team sure. really two or more times in a game our chances of winning that game are huge. Only, uh, only like, I think twice this season have we sacked a team two, two times or more and then lost the game. Like, in all the rest of the games, we've been, like, if we are getting three or more sacks, we're in. We're definitely going to make that. We're definitely going to win that game. Um, what is a big issue for me is if you look at Cam Newton this season, he is on pace for his second fewest number of sacks in his career. Uh, so that Carolina offensive line is doing a really good job of protecting him. And the other season where he was sacked this little was the season they went to the Super Bowl. So Carolina is, is not really a great matchup for us. On top of that, if you add on that Ron Rivera in December has won 20 of his last 25 games. I mean, that's an insane number for December. That means like Ron Rivera like knows how to coach in this time of year. I'm, it, this matchup scares me much, much more than the New Orleans matchup. I think Carolina is actually a better team than New Orleans. I think they would beat them head-to-head in a playoff game. Um, I don't feel great about this, but I'm going to go with Carolina because that's what the data says. But I, obviously, in my heart, I will be cheering for the Falcons to somehow pull this out. So yes. give me Carolina on the, on the record here for this podcast. On the record, you counted log. Remove. 
You called it correctly last week. So what are you going to do about the game this week? I know. This is going to be like a, a one-point game. I think Matt Bryant's going to come in at the last second and kick a field goal to, to win it for us. This is going to be a classic. I really do think so. Uh, we match up – I don't know if we match up that poorly against them. We had a good outing against them last time, and a lot of that was because Jones had a monster game. I don't think they have a solution for him. And if he the, – the real trick here is if we're going to be able to win this game, it's going to be through Jones. It's going to be through our superstars, Freeman and Jones. They're going to be able to open it up for Coleman – new and the rest of our offense. Our offense is going to be able to roll, and we can hopefully manage the, the Panthers to maybe under 20, um, maybe 24. And so with that being said, I think that we have a chance. I don't think it's going to be three and a half, so I, I think we'll, you know, I'm kind of covering and hedging, but um, I'm going to go with the Panthers. I think we'll win. I think it'll be a one-point game. Jones comes in, or sorry, Brian comes in the last minute and kicks a field goal, or we have a, a late-minute late, late minute drive that gets us back in the game. But um, I, they, they don't have an answer for Jones. And th- you know what? The Panthers really haven't done very well against top receivers in the league. Like, they didn't do well against Robbie Anderson or, you know, uh, Mike Evans from the Bucks. Like, these are, are decent to top-rated wide receivers that are able to produce 100 yards per game um, and haven't been able to shut them down. So there's some trouble there in their secondary. Um, and if they're not able to patch that up, then they're going to have some real trouble with us. But here's my thing. If they do patch that up, we have no answers because everyone we throw to seems to not want to catch any football. That's the problem with this team is that like, if you give Justin Hardy the ball, he had what two drops in that game. Like Cooper had another drop. Like we have so many drop passes on this team that like, I don't, I mean, most of it is on Matt Ryan, as you know, I've said on this podcast many times, but like, that's my biggest worries. If they do find a way to shut down Julio Jones, which I think is you just put three guys on him and then just ask the, the rest of the Falcons to beat you. Um, I don't know. That's my biggest worry. Yeah. It's it's interesting listening to you guys talk about this team because it sounds a lot like what I talk about when I talk about the Cowboys this season. And then I went on record last week and said, I can't bet on this Cowboys team to win and took the under, which ended up being a good gambling decision. So here's what I'll say, Ramu, is what I think is interesting and people maybe aren't paying enough attention to this year is what game have the Falcons like drove at the end to win the game? And the answer is they haven't in the last eight weeks. I mean, you look at their wins, and, like, yes, they were three-point games, but it was Drew Brees making a crucial interception late um, for the Falcons to seal it. Uh, you know, Patrick Murray, I think is the guy's name, missed the Buccaneers 50-yard field goal for the Falcons to win it. Uh, the Seahawks, you know, though it was 34-31, they scored at the end with the Doug Baldwin touchdown to cut it from 10-3. to So, like, I haven't seen the Falcons do the whole – come back at the end of the game and uh, and win it. You know, even against the Lions, they, they got lucky with that call at the end. So I don't think this Falcons team has it in them to, like, in a close game, drive the ball down the field and kick or score a go-ahead um, touchdown or field goal. So I look at this game and I say it's either got to be the Falcons that take control early um, and are playing with a lot of pride and then want to make it to the postseason. Or the, the Panthers just come in here and say, we're going to make this dirty and ugly and, and you're going to have to try and beat us. So I look, um, to me, my eyes go to this 45 and a half point um, line and say if the if the Falcons somehow go up 21-0 or, or 24-7 or something like that late in the game, I don't see what the Panthers are really going to be playing for, especially if it looks like the Saints go on to win their game, um, which I think the Saints have an early game. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, they're they're playing in the same time slot. They're playing the same time also. Ah, bummer. I was gonna yeah. say they uh, you know, they know that the 
the Saints go in that division. So all I have to say, I think the Panthers, if they get down early, they say, you know what, whatever, we'll become the five seed and we get to go play um, the four seed. Who would be who would be the four seed in the NFC? New Orleans, probably. Really? They're going to go on the road. Yeah, they'll go on the road because Rams look like they've locked up the three or will lock it up after they win, I think. Uh, well, actually, no, I was going right? to ask you guys, I was going to ask you, what do you guys think is the ranking for once we get out of this weekend for the conferences? Oh, I mean, it's I, Eagles and Vikings too. Um, yep. So there is like a crazy scenario where if the Panthers win and the um, the Rams, the Vikings, and the Saints lose, the Panthers become the two seed. So I guess they like do have some stuff to play for. So I do think that it'll be like Philadelphia, Minnesota. I actually think the Rams, because they're sitting everyone, drop down to four um, because I also don't think they want to see either Seattle or Atlanta in the first round. I think they'd rather have, to be honest, Carolina. Um, and then, you know, the Panthers are five. And then I do think the Falcons squeak in only because I would love to see the Seahawks lose that game. <laughs> the, the Falcons don't we all? Door entrance to, uh, to the playoffs. So, yeah, I think the, the, the Falcons get the six. Um, but anyways, coming back to my pick really quick, I'm just going to sweep it and, and say the Panthers win this. I don't think the Falcons have what it takes to come back and win a game. And Hari, correct me if I'm wrong there, but have you do you do you recall any game this season where you like dramatically won it in the last thirty seconds? Uh, the only one I, I mean, they've all been defensive stands at the end, not offensive stands at the end, which speaks to how much our offense, our defense has improved this season. But our offense has now completely shit the bed over and over again. And if you remember, this is the exact same scenario that happened the year the that Carolina went to the Super Bowl. Is that the Falcons? had a must-win game at home, week 17, and Carolina came in here and just, like, whipped us. Oh, I and it was, like, that. Mike Smith's last game. He got fired. Like, it was a disaster. But, like, it is the exact same. So I was talking to my dad about it. My dad's like, why would I go to this game? I literally saw this game three years ago when it happened to us live. Um, it's the exact same thing. Like, no Falcons fans are talking about it, but, like, we've seen this exact same scenario, the exact same team, and the exact same moment be like, well, and then just like crumble at home. And we're only four and three in Mercedes Benz this year. It's like all the signs point to like us getting blown out at home, but hopefully not. Aha. You know, there's a, there's an, a parallel uh, storyline AFC that we're probably not talking about. It's the, the Titans have to kind of control their own destiny there with their uh, play, with their game against the Jags this week. So yeah. they need to win this. And then they get the, the tiebreaker over the Chargers and the Bills and they secure yeah, their yeah, spot as a six seed. Um, but I just can't bring myself to talk about Titan, ga- Titan games in a very exciting. <laughs> That's true. I'm going to a, I'm going to Park City for New Year's this weekend, and one of the the guys there is going to be a a Titans fan. He's going to skip skiing one day just to go to the bar and watch the the Titans Jacks game. Sounds exciting. Mm, very exciting. Um, yeah, I actually just got a notification that Rams quarterback Jared Goff will not play Sunday, according to Sean McVay. So it looks like they're going for that four seed, unless the Saints um, also drop their. Huh. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Oh, so that means. That means if Saints get the three and Atlanta gets the six, that means going back to New Orleans. <laughs> yes, <laughs> back on get back on the plane. <laughs> God, oh, man. Oh, I hate God. playing them so much. God, I, I hate playing them, and I hate playing them in New Orleans too. God, Jesus, Forrest, hate them so much. Yeah, that's true. That is so true. But what is funny is to think that you could have a scenario where the top three seeds in the NFC quarterbacks are Nick Foles, Case Keenum, and Jared Goff. 
So. Oh wow! Also, Rams are sitting Todd Gurley as well. It looks like. Yeah, yeah. No, once they the Jared Goff thing came out, I think it's Gurley. I think it's um, Goff. I think it's Sammy Watkins. I think it's a couple of their key cornerbacks, Aaron Donald. Like that's it. They're like bye week. It's a bye week. So mm. whatever. Sean McVay, the millennial coach. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust what he's doing. <laughs> so with that, that is another exciting recap of this week's three NFL games. Um, obviously, we we squeezed in some college games there as well. As we transition to the playoffs, I'm excited because maybe we can sprinkle in a little bit of NBA, get our old friend Shane back on the pod. And um, obviously, after after these New Year's Day games, we'll also have a national championship in college football to talk about with Kendrick Lamar halftime performance. So it's halftime performance wow. is actually outside the stadium for some reason. So now Wait. if you're an Atlanta resident, you can just go and watch Kendrick Lamar. I think he's only going to do like two or three songs, right? That's how halftime performances work. Yeah, that makes sense, but that is interesting. All righty. Well, friends, I wish you all a happy new year. I'm glad everyone enjoyed their Christmas holidays. If you needed tips on what to get your wives, aunts, uncle, or excuse me, nieces or girlfriends, um, you know, tune into the DNS podcast. And with that, we are out. <laughs>